Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Monday, June the 6th, 2022. It's going to be a great show today, great week as a matter of fact, but it's the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart. And here's a question. Is Pope Francis dying? Is he about to retire? Well, rumors have been swirling, but they heated up over the weekend, in fact, uh, and we're going to be discussing that today on the program. Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute is going to be joining us at 35 past the hour to talk about these swirling rumors. Is there anything to them? Big names in the Catholic commentary world are, in fact, thinking there is something here. Uh, lots of Twitter action over the weekend. Raymond Arroyo, Michael Penton, others all chiming in. So Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute is going to weigh in on the Pope, the Cardinals, and the next conclave and all that. Coming up at 35 past the hour. Terrible news over the weekend on the Feast of Pentecost. The celebration of the coming down of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. Fifty people were killed in Nigeria by Muslims attacking the parish. Very little reportage going on in the Western world for that. I guess they don't care too much about what happens to Nigerian lives. Well, Nigerian lives do matter, in fact. We'll cover a little bit of that today on the program. The Louisiana Senate has voted to pass a bill that says no more shipping abortion meds to expectant mothers in their state. Praise be to God for that. Pizza Hut is supporting drag kids' storybooks. Not good. Please stop this. You sell pizza. That's all you need to do. Do your job. Mr. Mister, a gay bar in Dallas, has uh, hosted an event in their facility called Drag the Kids to Pride. And guess what? Many parents did, in fact, drag their kids to this gay bar for this horrific satanic display there. So lots to pray fast and do penance for. And the national gas price is now up to $4.85 per gallon, according to reports. But there is some good news, Rudy. Is there? There is good news. What is it? I went to see uh, Top Gun Maverick. Oh. With my wife. Well, then. So date there's, night? There's, yeah, we did. It was How'd like it a go? date. It was like a date day. Okay. Because we didn't go. A day date. We went to the matinee. Nice. Yeah. I have a lot to say about that film. Okay. I think we're going to cancel the rest of the show. I'm going to spend the entire two hours just talking about that. Just a full on movie review. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers (laughs) ahead. So. He dies at the end. (laughs) Does he? (laughs) Hmm. That was a plot Mm, twist. He gets ejected out of the. There was ejections. Yes. 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 There's so much to say about this film. (laughs) <laughs> so much to say about this film. However, there is one more thing to bring up to remember, and that is today is uh, the anniversary of, of Normandy, June mm. 6, 1944. 3,000 wow. men lost their lives in, on Omaha Beach, not let alone Utah, all the other beachheads, plus all the paratroopers. 2,500 paratroopers uh, lost their lives of you know jumping into the night in the early morning hours behind enemy lines. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. 
Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. You know why? No. And it's good to be here because we had mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. ordinations in the Diocese of Galveston, Houston over the weekend. Wow. Uh, congratulations to Father Luis Garcia, a dear friend of mine, Father Christopher Meyer, yeah. and Father Jacob Ramirez, whose mother is a, daily, is a daily listener to Catholic Drive Time. So praise be to God. Praise hey. be to God. Good Absolutely. morning. And my friend, hey. Mr. Joseph Jensen, with the TFP, he's uh, heading to Ireland. His visa is running up. He's from Canada. Hey, now. And so he's heading to Ireland. So we had a going away party from yesterday. It was very nice to uh, spend some time with the TFP last night. That's super cool. And I ran into my friend, John, and, uh, or Ashley Soriano, who, and her new husband, John, uh, at the ordination. So that was, that was really cool. So I ran into some friends there. Do you know who I ran into on Saturday after First Saturday Mass? Who's that? Ooh. Nick the Mike and Nelia. Hey. Yeah. Yes. That was super cool. That is cool. I didn't recognize them, so they came up to me after Mass, and I'm like, hey, this is... And I took a little snapshot picture and posted that to our private insider group, but that was awesome, meeting uh, CDT insiders. There. That is cool. Yeah, I was like meeting our listeners. That's so cool. Yeah. They, uh, they live on the south side of town, and they drove all the way up to go to First Saturday Mass at our parish, which was really, really cool. Oh, thanks so, be to God. Thanks be to God. Which, in fact, turned out to be a vigil for Pentecost. Very so, good. Vi- a vigil in the middle of the day, or mm. in the early morning day. Typically, that's, that's when it yeah, is. That's how yeah. it is. That's how it used, it used to, be. to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it used to be. Anyway, all right. Praise be to God. We have a lot to cover. I wish there was like some really good news, but in fact, today is going to be the only day we will share any good news. I would say <laughs> for the week, because the rest of this week is going to be a shareathon week for the Guadalupe Radio Network. So uh, our second hours are going to be pushed back from Tuesday to Friday, but we will have a regular program for you today. So that means two hours of Catholic Drive Time in addition to uh, the news and the guest segment. We also do uh, gospel reflection, saint of the day. We have a what's concerning us. We're going to have uh, the game show, Fear and Trembling, and today we'll actually give out prizes. Today's the only day we're going to get to play Fear and Trembling. You can find a lot more information about what we do on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most sweet Jesus, that no one who has had recourse to thy sacred heart, implored its help, or sought its mercy was ever abandoned. Encouraged with confidence, O tenderest of hearts, We present ourselves before thee, crushed beneath the weight of our sins. In our misery, O sacred heart of Jesus, despise not our simple prayers, but mercifully grant our requests. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Monday, June 6th, and these are your headlines for today. Washington Examiner reports at least 50 killed in massacre at Catholic Church in southwest Nigeria. Gunmen attacked a Catholic church in southwest Nigeria during Mass on Pentecost Sunday, killing at least 50 people, including women and children, according to a hospital doctor and media reports. President Buhari condemned the attack, calling it heinous. And the Vatican said Pope Francis was praying for the victims who had been painfully stricken in a moment of celebration. Nigeria is battling an Islamist insurgency in the northeast with armed gangs who carry out attacks and kidnappings for ransom, mostly in the northwest. You may remember last Friday when I mentioned President Buhari, the previous story was that he was sending guards to churches but not providing them with bullets. Buhari is a Fulani Muslim and Fulani Muslims are largely responsible for the attacks against Christians in Nigeria. The Epic Times reports Putin warns Russia will strike new targets if U.S. gives new missiles to Ukraine. He says, quote, If they are supplied, we will draw appropriate conclusions from this and use our own weapons, of which we have enough. 
In order to strike at those facilities we are not targeting yet, unquote, the Russian president said, in response to statements issued by the White House about supplying multiple launch rocket systems to Ukraine. The Washington Examiner reports uh, Pizza Hut facing boycotts over book suggestion with drag queen protagonists. The chain restaurant sent an email to begin its summer program, Camp Book It, which began on June 1st, as June also marks so-called Pride Month. The email included three recommendations surrounding the topic of the month, including one book called Big Wig, which features a male child protagonist who decides to dress and drag for his neighborhood costume competition. Pizza Hut's parent organization is Yum Brands, which also owns Taco Bell and KFC, just in case you want to write to them and let them know what you think. And the AP reports EPA raises amount of ethanol that must be blended with gas. Most gasoline sold in the U.S. contains 10% ethanol, and the fuel has become a key part of the economy in many Midwest states. The fuel consumes more than 40% of the nation's corn supply, and ethanol and other biofuel production plants offer jobs in rural areas that have seen steady population declines over the decades. The final order also denies exemptions for oil refineries from ethanol requirements, saying they had failed to show how the exemptions were justified under the Clean Air Act. The American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers Group, which represents refineries, called the 2022 figure bewildering and contrary to the administration's claims to be doing everything in their power to provide relief to consumers. The group said unachievable mandates will increase fuel production costs and keep consumer prices high. Not to mention you'll be filling up more than often with ethanol fuel. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Norbert. He was born in 1080. Norbert of Xanten, also known as Norbert Ganep, was a bishop of the Catholic Church and founder of the pre-monasterians order of Canadreger, or better known as the Norbertines, like Frater Giovanni that we talked to on Friday. He adopted such strict discipline that it killed his first three disciples. This may be why he failed to reform the canons of Xanten, who denounced him as an innovator at the Council of Frisler in 1118. He then resigned his benefits, sold all his property, and gave his proceeds to the poor. He visited Pope Galatius II, who gave him permission to become an itinerant preacher. And he preached throughout the lands in what is now Western Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Northern France, being credited with a number of miracles in those areas. <clears throat> in settlement after settlement, he encou encountered a demoralized clergy, lonely, often practicing concubinage, and feeling that the official church cared little about them. Legend has it that the porter refused to let Norbert into his new residence, assuming he was a beggar. When the crowd pointed out to the flustered porter that this was the new bishop, Norbert told the porter, you were right the first time. Norbert carried the love of reform that he had found in his own life to his new diocese. As usual, this made his, him many enemies, and he was almost assassinated. Disgusted with the citizens' desire to keep to their old ways, he left the city but was soon called back, not because the citizens missed him, but because the emperor and the pope pressured him. In Paris, he would have witnessed the canons of St. Victor, who had adopted the ascetic ideals of William of Champagne. At Clairvaux in Chateau, he would have seen the Cistercian reforms among the monks. He also became acquainted with the Cistercian administrative system that created the International Federation of Monasteries, with a fair amount of centralized power. The local houses had a certain amount of independence. These reforms, written up in their Charter of Charity, would affect him significantly in his own future work. 
And that's how we get the Norbertines of today. And allegedly, the Dominicans came from that as well. He died June 6, 1134. St. Norbert, pray for us. Allegedly, eh? Hmm, allegedly. Hey, praise be to God in all things. Luke, the gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now great multitudes accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, what king going to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and take counsel whether he is able to, with 10,000 men, to meet who is coming against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an embassy and asks terms of peace. So therefore, whoever of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregor the Great would say, quote, But it may be asked, how are we bid to hate our parents and our relations in the flesh, who are commanded to love even our enemies? But if we weigh the force of the command, we are able to do both by rightly distinguishing them so as both to love those who are united to us by the bond of the flesh and whom we acknowledge our relations, and by hating and avoiding not to know those whom we find our enemies in the way of God. For he is, as it were, loved by hatred, who is, who in his car carnal wisdom, pouring into our ears his evil sayings, is not heard. Close quote, St. Gregory, Gregory the Great. So what is he trying to say? Let me summarize, give you the cliff notes here. If your relatives are trying to impair, block, impede, prevent you from obtaining heaven, well, now you have a stark decision to make. Simply being related by blood is not a good enough reason to abandon your pursuit for the beatific vision. Right? We could sacrifice, we could pray, we could do penance for those relatives, as so many of us do, and you know what I mean, don't you? I'm there, and I'm sure you are too. Let's not forget to pray, to fast, to do penance, to suffer for them. But we must never allow them to stop us in our relentless pursuit for heaven. Because that is our only cause and mission. We'll be right back. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. 
moral relativists think moral absolutes don't exist because cultures differ in their moral beliefs. But is this a rational inference? The answer is no, and here's the reason. You see, it confuses moral epistemology, the accurate knowledge of moral truths, with moral ontology, the existence of moral truths. Differing moral opinions have to do with knowledge of moral truths, or lack thereof, not their existence. Furthermore, if we say absolute moral truths don't exist because cultures disagree on them, well then we're going to have to deny the existence of absolute cosmological truths, because scientists disagree about them. But we don't want to do that because we might end up denying the objective shape of our planet and its relation to the sun. Differing moral beliefs, therefore, doesn't negate moral absolutes. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about these rumors swirling about Pope Francis, His Holiness. Is his health in great decline? Many are speculating that he could be seeing his last days. Uh, others are speculating that he's just going to retire soon. And still others are like, no, no, he's going to be around for a while. And yet he seems to be doing things in a way that suggests that uh, there's a sort of a, a culmination, a bow on his pontificate. We're going to talk about that with Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute at 35 past the hour. Stick around for that if you can. I want to get into this story about these Nigerians uh, just a little bit. I, Rudy, I know you, you reported on this, but over the weekend, it was yet another massacre. I don't I mean, they're attacked so frequently over there that the news doesn't even report on it. Yeah, when it does, it doesn't, it doesn't catch as much attention as anything over here. Yeah. Um, Catholic Nigerian lives matter. That's the bottom line. Catholic Nigerian lives matter. They were murdered and continue to be murdered by Muslims attacking the Catholic faithful. And several thoughts keep coming to mind every time I see one of these stories. Number one, there are no more Catholic kingdoms available in existence to come to their rescue. Not one. Not even one Catholic kingdom. Where's the eldest daughter of the church, France? Where have you? Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. French Revolution. You've never been the same ever since. England abandoned the faith in the 16th century. Of course, Germany's been divided since then as well. Uh, Austria, gone. Poland's hanging around, but they're having to fight for their own survival these days. Ireland, decimated. We talked, we talked about that last week with one of our guests. Italy, okay, maybe, but they're not going to send anybody to protect these poor people. You know, a couple years ago, I discovered that there was an organization that was founded, and at the time it was run by a, a, a Franciscan monk who has since left this organization. But their goal was to raise an army to go and protect Christians in persecution in places like Nigeria and elsewhere. And they were never able to raise the funds they needed. They had mil they had ex they had mil U.S. military veterans who were on board with the project and would do all the training and all the recruiting. And the idea was to recruit former military service members who were faithful Catholics to come and uh, and help. But they were never able to raise the needed funds. 
And I was listening to an interview with the, at the then, this Franciscan monk, who is now in Rome working for another Franciscan organization there. And he said it's because there are no more kingdoms. There's no more Catholic kingdoms to, to come to the defense of Christians. We're in a post-Christendom world that is quickly and rapidly declining. We see it all around us. Mass shootings in Philadelphia over the weekend. How many died in, in Chicago? Who knows? We stopped reporting on all that kind of stuff. But we are going to talk about Uvalde. How about, the, how about the mother of two in Uvalde who got arrested, got finally freed, and still ran into the building to go save her, her two sons? Uh, just a young, petite little mom in West Texas who's like, I don't care what the gunman has. Those are my kids, and I'm going after them. And the police tried to stop her. We'll talk more about that tomorrow in tomorrow's program. Have you seen her interview? Let that sink in. Where is the church to come and defend her children? It's a kind of a very sad day for me to see yet more Catholic Nigerians slaughter at the hands of Muslims and no one cares and no one even talks about it and no one does anything to stop it. Nothing will change. Why? Because they're Africans? Because the only thing we care about from Africa, as long as we get our precious earth resource minerals so we can have our lithium-ion batteries and our solar panels, so we can have green renewable energy, so we can live high on the hog here in the West and not care about what happens to them and their waterways and the pollution of their environment, and they have children born with birth defects, is that all we care about? I mean, we are hypocrites when it comes to things like human rights, dignity, the environment itself, gun rights, and all this other stuff. Do we actually care about the dignity of human persons, wherever they may be found? Because all are made in God's image and likeness. Every single one of us, without exception, is related. There's no exception to the rule. Every single one of us, according to science and DNA studies, all go back to the same two human persons, Adam and Eve, and through Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all are related to them. There is no white race. There is no black race. There is no in-between race. We are all shades of brown, some light, some dark, all related. It's been proven by DNA and science, let alone our actual faith handed on through the ages by Holy Mother Church. And yet we seem to pick the winners and losers, again, who we care about and who we don't care about. I am very bothered by that, and I continue to be bothered by that. And the church should defend her children. The church should defend her children. Like in Dallas, for instance, with this drag queen, drag your kids to pride. How diabolical and satanic is this? How utterly perverse that in the great city of Dallas... You see something so on display. Is there anything else that might remind you of Sodom and Gomorrah? And the utter perversity of mankind, which led to what? Ultimately, a chastisement. Which, if you go back to Genesis uh, 8, 7, 8, 9, you're going to find that it was that issue that led to the Great Flood. And then you had another issue led to the Tower of Babel. And then you had another issue led to Sodom and Gomorrah and the fire come down from heaven. Which, by the way, if you go to the Holy Land, stop by the site. You'll see fire brimstones everywhere through the area. And you'll see the remnants of a burnt city there as well. It's kind of fascinating. 
I would love to go there. If someday I ever go to the Holy Land, that is high on my list to visit that site for sure. But I want to remind you, today is the memorial of June 6, 1944. Uh, we, it's been a long time since we've had to fight Adolf Hitler and the Nazis to save Jews. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a conflict at, with this sort of uh, ethical issue at the, at the heart of it. Most of our issues that we fight for today aren't even close to being on the same level. Not even close. And on January 6, 1944, so many years ago now, in the early hours, it was first the airborne raid. And they took all these paratroopers and they dropped them behind enemy lines. But guess what? They, the, a lot of these planes that were dropping troops, they were trying to avoid being shot out of the sky from enemy flak fire that they didn't slow down enough in order to let these guys out in a proper way. So the guys were jumping and then their guns were being blown off, their packs are being blown away, and they were landing without, without the needed tools to defend themselves against a heavily armed, heavily motivated, heavily trained enemy force. One paratrooper famously caught on the steeple of a church played dead for two hours while the Nazis were underneath him. So there was that. 2,500 casualties as a result of the paratroopers being dropped that morning in utter chaos and disorganization. Then came the naval bombardment. And this was more of a success story than a failure. They actually did do a very good job over, overall in bombing the coastline and softening the target. They reduced it from two hours down to 44 minutes so that they could have a, more of a surprise attack and allow the, not allow the Germans to reinforce. However, they failed to attack the pillboxes with the machine gunners who strafed the beach relentlessly. And then came the actual assaults on the beaches, broken up into sections by units of course the the our allied forces had different sections than we did and the americans for the the heaviest one came at utah beach let me read this section to you coming from dday.org quote the german defenses on utah beach included stakes Hedgehogs, large steel barriers created to prevent the movement of ships, tanks, and infantry, barbed wire, anti-tank ditches and mines, portions of three German units defended the beach, the 709th, 243rd, and the 91st Infantry Divisions. Of these, one battalion defended the beach and another was in support further behind. Behind the beach were pillboxes, concrete fortifications, uh, tank turrets, and trenches. At a distance of one to two miles from the beach were several coastal and artillery batteries. The Americans divided the Utah beach landing into three zones, Terra, Uncle Red, and Victor. The operation was the responsibility of General Lawton Collins under the command of General Omar Bradley. Five hours before the breach, beach landings, paratroopers of the 101st and 82nd Airborne Divisions landed behind the beach's fortifications to secure travel routes and destroy bridges. As they were scurrying, uh, securing roadways, uh, one of the German generals uh, from the 91st Division was traveling back to his headquarters when he was shot and killed by paratroopers. This was the first beach to see a landing, and as the sun began to rise, the men of the U.S. 7th Corps began to make their way to shore. The 2nd Battalion, 8th Infantry Regiment, made up the first wave, arriving at 6.30 in the morning. The 1st Battalion, 8th Infantry Regiment, made up the second wave, arriving at about 6.35 on Terra Green and Uncle Red. The third wave comprised of Sherman tanks and were designed to float across the water from their landing crafts all the way to shore. Due to uh, 
Due to strong currents, the three waves landed 2,000 yards south of Utah. Those men had to hustle back. They only lost 197 casualties there. Over on Omaha, though, Omaha was the most intense section of the battle that day. 3,000 men would uh, be casualties in that conflict. Now, you might say it's only 3,000 out of 43,250 uh, men that landed. Oh, that's true, but 3,000 young boys lost their lives. Many drowned and never even made it to the beach, let alone were shot by a German because they were ill-prepared and war is hell. We shouldn't do it unless we have no other choice. We shouldn't just go uh, free willy-nilly into the night into war and conflict when it is not the last resort and option because bad things happen and the most detailed practiced plans don't go perfectly and men suffer from that. That's one of the issues in the movie uh, Top Gun Maverick that kind of caught my attention. It was a theme that we might have to do dangerous and, and uh, risky things. Our lives may be on the line, but that doesn't mean we should just throw those lives away. And I'll never forget seeing the images of Catholic priests braving the bullets, the strafing, that day. Going to soldier to soldier to give last rites, to render last rites, to be there without a rifle in your hand, to brave the gunfire in order to see a soul have a chance of getting to heaven that day. D-Day should remind us of the horror of war, of the utter insanity and chaos that pursues when man wants to kill man. And we should be very careful about how we execute war, how we go about it, and why we do it. The geopolitics since this time have not been great. We've been about nation building, kingdom building, and preserving our political and financial interests around the world. It's been a long time since we fought Hitler. Let's pray for those souls that lose their lives every day with no one to come to their rescue. Let's pray for those souls that were lost January 6, 1944. We'll be right back. From the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the, the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Life News reports pro-abortion violence continues as abortion activists vandalize Catholic pro-life office. The South Broward Pregnancy Help Center serves as the Respect for Life's ministry's main office. This threat is similar to those received by numerous pregnancy help centers around the country in the wake of the national news regarding the Dobbs case before the Supreme Court and the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade, said Rebecca, Brader, Re- Rebecca Brady, that is, Archdiocesan Director of Respect Life. We believe the intention of this vandalism was to scare and intimidate us, said Brady. Respect Life Ministry will not back down. We will continue extending the love and mercy of Christ to all, regardless of creed. We also now have the opportunity to learn what it means to love our enemies. Axios reports Social Security and Medicare finances bolstered by growing economy. The trust fund for Social Security's retirement and survivor benefits is now projected to run out of money in 2034, a year later than a previous estimate. Once that fund runs out of money, tax revenue the government collects could only support 77% of Social Security benefits, so Congress would face the choice of cutting benefits or raising taxes or both. The Social Security Disability Insurance Trust Fund is now projected to remain solvent for the next 75 years, not to run out of money until 2057. And the Epic Times reports New York passes bill halting new Bitcoin mining projects. The New York State Senate passed a bill early Friday that seeks to ban new cryptocurrency mining projects in a bid to tackle some of the supposed (laughs) environmental issues associated with the use of -of proof-of-work authentication methods to validate blockchain transactions. It's a fancy way of saying things such as Bitcoin. The bill, which still needs Governor Kathy Hochul's signature to become law, passed the New York State Senate by a vote of 36 to 27. The two-year freeze is to allow authorities to carry out an environmental impact assessment of crypto mining operations that use non-renewable sources of energy, such as gas or coal, including electricity consumption and potential water quality effects. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now by phone is the, the founder president of Lepanto Institute, Michael Hitchborn. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Joe. Good to hear you. Praise be to God. We're glad to have you on uh, on the team today. I understand you're on your way to San Antonio, Texas for a, a, a vacation of sorts. Hopefully you're going to have a great time, and we're glad you took some time to be on with us, uh, especially given that rumors are swelling and uh, swirling, I guess swirling is the proper word, again, about His Holiness Pope Francis. Uh, some have been saying his, he's facing the end of his life for a while now that he had that very serious surgery. I think it was 13 inches of his intestine was removed. Pretty serious. He's been having mobility issues. He's in a wheelchair. So some are saying, you know, maybe he's into, at the end of his life. And yet today, uh, there was a report out this morning that he had announced that come this August, he's going to be visiting the tomb of Pope Celestine V. And that is pretty significant, and a lot of Catholic commentators are now speculating that it's not his death we have to, you know, deal with, rather his retirement. What say you, Michael Hitchborn? Well, I'll give you my first reaction. Uh, As soon as I heard the news, I just kind of shook my head and put my head down and said, I can't believe we're about to enter an age of another three popes controversy. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) I mean, pretty soon we're going to have to build a papal retirement home. At the Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, they had one of those, Joe. 
Castel Gandolfo. Right. <laughs> uh, it is. We laugh, but at the same time, it's like, God, you whiz. These are the most interesting times. Interesting is, is to put it very lightly. I just don't even know what to make of it anymore. Um, the fact of the matter is that the church has has always maintained that there is only ever one pope at any one given point in time. And the three popes controversy was a controversy because there were three claimants to the throne. But a case like this would give three uh, apparent men... Never in the history of the Church has any retired or, or resigned pope ever maintained his regalia and maintained all of the trappings and the honorariums and everything else that go along with being a pope. But now we've got Pope Emeritus Benedict, who maintains his name, who maintains all of the dress and everything else of the papacy. Uh, and if we have uh, Pope Francis also step down, maintaining his title, maintaining his name, maintaining his... Uh, regalia and everything else, along with another man who is now then sitting on the throne of Peter, uh, there's no wonder that people are going to be confused. And I, I think that that confusion is only going to uh, hasten any further destruction that we, we have been witnessing in the, in the Church for the last nine years. Uh, when, um, when you asked me to come on the show this morning, we were going to talk about Cardinal Supich and his appointment. And I, I was reading up on, on that situation, and the fact of the matter is that we now have Cardinal Supich and a series of other men that have been put into the, um, the dicastery for uh, divine worship, and they are all in favor of furthering the, uh, the destruction of the traditional Latin Mass mm -hmm. and, uh, and putting in more innovations in, in the, uh, the way that we worship. And so all of these changes, uh, the, the strange, bizarre situation that we have with the papacy, there is a very serious reason why people are deeply confused. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let me just uh, point this out. The, the reason why the Pope Celestine um, location is very significant, okay, is because when Pope Benedict, uh, Pope Emeritus, forgive me, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, uh, right before he was going to retire, announce his retirement, I think it was by several months or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. he visited this same tomb where Pope Celestine was the guy who last retired from the pontificate, and uh, Benedict left his pallium there on the tomb. And everybody was speculating, yeah. what does that mean? What is he trying to say to us? And then I think three months went by, and he announced his retirement. So here we are, uh, fast forward, Pope uh, Pope. Francis has now announced he's going to be visiting this tomb in August, and uh, people are speculating, is he going to retire? Okay, just so you know, uh, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table here. I do not believe he's going to retire. It's not my... Oh, really? Wow. I, I do not think... I think he's I think he's trolling those people who <laughs> think he's going to die and or retire. I think he's doing this on purpose. But that's just... I mean, I, what do I know? I don't know anything. I have no inside uh, information. It's just my speculation that this is, uh, this is, this is part of... This is part of the Francis pontificate. Yeah. But I, let's put this on the table before you respond, Rudy. He has... He was tasked with reforming the Curia. He's announced he's finally done that. After nine years, not five, uh, he has raised even more uh, bishops to the level of cardinal 
seems like he's putting a bow on things. What do you say, Rudy? Well, yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I don't think this is uh, this is a, a great big deal thing that people are making it out to be because of the fact that this isn't the first consistory that he's he's done. He's actually appointed other bishops to the cardinalate, and um, that really stacked the deck, so to say. Uh, to make it so that it almost is impossible, let alone, uh, you know, maybe a miracle needs to happen for there to be uh, a pope who is not a progressive. So I don't know, Mr. Hitchborn, what do you, what do you think? To be honest, I it's hard to tell exactly what's going to happen or what they what they're trying to accomplish here. But um, I, I I really think that this this might be a sign that he is going to step down. Um, mm. And uh, well, but then again, let's let's remember that uh, a lot of people who have written books about Pope Francis they they indicate that he's a Peronist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Juan Peron, one of the things that he was known for was a story where he he was being driven to the airport, and his driver asked him, "Which way do you want me to go?" And he said, "Signal left, turn right." <laughs> and, huh. If, just, if we if we apply that to to Pope Francis, this could be one of those scenarios that you're you're suggesting that maybe he's signaling left and then he's going to turn right and do something completely different. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. And it, I mean, to some degree, this is above our pay grade. But let's talk about those cardinals he raised. Who who are these men, and how does this impact this story? Well, so Cardinal Sara was uh, the the prefect until 2021. And Cardinal Sara got in a lot of hot water with Pope Francis after uh, he put out a, uh, an article in 2020 saying, or was it, no, it was 2016, where he said that he he was supportive of saying Mass ad Orientum, and he, you know, a very traditional-minded cardinal, uh, and Pope Francis even came out and, and chastised what he had said. So in 2021, when he submitted his resignation, that was right about the time that uh, certain other changes were starting to be made, and it was announced that they were going to have a, um, a visitation of sorts of the dicastery. For, back then it was a congregation, now it's a dicastery, for divine worship. And the result of that is now we, we're, we are seeing Cardinal Supic, who is well-known as an anti-traditionalist. Uh, he even when he was in uh, Spokane, locked out um, a, a traditional parish, locked them out of their parish yeah. so that they couldn't say Mass. Hmm. Uh, and they said Mass outside. So you you look at what Cardinal Supic has been doing even you know many years ago. He, he's very definitely anti-traditional. Um, he's also, I want to point out, uh, very active with the Association of U.S. Catholic Priests, which is an heretical organization. Hold so that. This is a disaster. Hold that thought right there. Michael Hitchborn is our guest, president and founder of Lepanto Institute. We're talking about the rumors swelling about Pope Francis and the upcoming consistory, the, the men that were elevated. But here's a question after the break we can ask Is the conclave the work of the Holy Ghost? Hmm. We'll talk about that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. 
Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Michael Hitchborn is our guest. He's with Oponto Institute. Welcome back to the show, Michael. You were saying right before the break uh, the the difficulties and the scandals, really, from Cardinal Supich, and now he's being elevated to a curial position in Rome, when how that might affect us is gonna, not going to be fun. But some of these other guys, McElroy, can you, I mean, we talked about this last week. Cardinal-elect uh, McElroy is subordinate to Gomez. Gomez has never gotten the red hat, still hasn't, still living in the shadow of the last Archbishop of New York, who is still a cardinal, still living there. Um, it's just, it's mind-boggling about the choices being made right now. Again, it goes back to, well, is Francis putting a bow on his, on his uh, sort of his papal plan because he's planning to retire or, or what have you, but he's also not a spring chicken. So I, I'm putting it all out there just trying to wrap my head around this. And, and ultimately, the question I think a lot of people are wondering is, are conclaves an act of the Holy Ghost? Let's say you, Michael Hitchborn. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I'll start with Cardinal, or soon to be Cardinal McElroy. I investigated him when he was still a Monsignor, and he was tapped to become a bishop. And I started to find a lot of connections between him and uh, uh, pro-homosexual activism that was taking place. But I I could never find anything definitive uh, with regard to things that he was doing. But once he got his, you know, he became a a bishop, uh, things things were different. Um, he, He was a lot more loose with what he said and what he did. But he also is very active with the Association of United States Catholic Priests. And one of the things that I found is that uh, McElroy was, um, he, he started or, or he convened a big conference back in, gosh, I want to say it was 2010, called the Point Seven Now Conference. And it was all about implementing the Millennium Development Goals, which mm. are now called the Sustainable Development Goals. And he did this with Jeffrey Sachs. So... Uh, McElroy has been part of the machine that is pushing for the hard left, not just politically, or not just in the church, but politically as well, uh, for quite some time. 
and he fits perfectly with the Francis mold of bishop or cardinal or whatever you want to have. So it's it's par for the course in that respect. Um, and then the second question you have is is the question about whether the Holy Spirit is is um, part of the is active in a a conclave. Well, let's let's put it this way: the Holy Spirit only confirms what they choose, uh, does not guide the decision, does not point out, the, you know, it's not like a, a tongue of flame suddenly <laughs> appears over the head of the one who's going to be Pope. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't that be nice? He, he, yeah, it would be. But he simply allows them to make a choice for good or for ill, and he confirms that choice. And, and uh, that action, um, well, let's, let's just say that one can either receive communion in a state of grace, or in a state of mortal sin. Mm -hmm. You make that choice. You approach for the cup, but if you choose wrongly, you're eating and drinking condemnation on yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're at. So many Catholics just simply believe that whatever comes out of the Vatican can uh, obviously not be flawed or or speculative or, or scandalous or anything. They just sort of assume that everything that comes out must be guarded, protected by the Holy Ghost, and therefore we must just accept it no matter what happens. I'll never forget, uh, there was a, a deacon friend that I had for many years, and, and he knew that I was uh, uh, leaning traditional, and he saw, this was years ago now, he saw that the Pope had washed the feet of women, and then he washed the feet mm -hmm. of prisoners, Muslim women, I think they were, He's like, well, how do you think? What do you think about that? And I said to him, I said, listen, I'm not the Pope. I don't get to choose who he, whose feet he he washes. But if I had the choice, I'd prefer him not to do that. You know. <laughs> but nobody asks me right. for my opinion. So <laughs> that and a nickel gets us nowhere. I mean, I just think that there's this sort of naivete. But would you say, Michael Hitchborn, would you say that you see more and more Catholics as over the past ten years now, nine years and change? Have they sort of woken up to this, and they are now backing off of that sort of naivety? I, I think that it's, there, there is an awakening, but I think the better way of looking at it is that there is now a line being drawn, and people are choosing sides. Um, there are those who are entrenched in the, the way that the left does things, and now people who had been in the gray area who are kind of sitting on the fence and, you know, just thinking that things are just going to go, go along as comfortably as possible in the future, they're now being forced to choose a side. And I do think that our Lord is allowing that choice to be made by making the decision impossible to be sitting on, on the sidelines or remain neutral. Um, we're being forced to choose sides, which means we are being forced to see what is taking place. Mr. Hitchborn, let's go back to what you said initially. You know, you were talking about three popes, and um, you know, back in that time, they people did have to make a choice. So, what do you think that uh, the average Catholic can learn from from that aspect of history and apply today, when there's a lot of confusion, as Joe mentioned, uh, coming out from from the dicasteries, from from Rome, from seemingly everywhere. So I, I, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this the other day, and I, I like to point out that St. Vincent Ferrer, mm. who was called the Angel of the Apocalypse, mm. in fact, he rose a man from the dead and said, Who am I? And the man that he rose from the dead said, You are the Angel of the Apocalypse, to <laughs> testify to his title. And St. Vincent Ferrer 
who had mystical visions and, you know, unknown knowledge except for what God had given him, uh, he got it wrong with who the Pope was during the Three Popes controversy. He got it wrong. And I find that fascinating because it seems to me that he is a sign for us in our day that a saint, especially one who is uh, so intimately knowledgeable of things because God is is appearing to him, um, a saint of his caliber can get it wrong. Yeah, And as we look at what's going on right now and the possibility of a third, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, two retirees and, and, and a new pope, um, we're going to come to a point where there are people who are going to be choosing sides. Some of them are going to be wrong, but we have to be men of goodwill and we have to be charitable in our approach. We can't yeah. condemn uh, somebody based on a speculation. We do have to wait specifically for any kind of clarification that comes from the church. Mm. And uh, we wait in patience, and we offer up the sacrifices and the sufferings that we're going to endure. But a lot of times, it's just a matter of waiting and watching, just like our uh, our Lord and the um, the apostles in the Garden of Gethsemane. Wait yeah. and watch. Yeah. You know, with St. Vincent Ferrer, I love him, by the way. So over 65,000 miracles attributed to his life while he yet lived. Uh, flying was among them. He flew. I mean, mm-hmm. it was amazing, amazing, amazing saint. If you never heard of him, well before there was Superman, there was St. Vincent Prayer. <laughs> okay, he was just that amazing. Yeah. But I will say this, too. In some sense, I feel like he, like he knew that who the Pope was was ultimately above his pay grade and his responsibility. And he focused on what he was called to do. Each of us has exactly. a mission. Each of us has a calling and a vocation and an area of responsibility. It's not my job to determine who the Pope is in Rome or what the Pope does or, or doesn't do or says or doesn't say. You know, however, I am responsible for what happens in my house with my wife and my children, and that is my primary vocation. And, of course, my occupation to, to do a commentary, to, to evangelize the world and the community around us, to bring Christ's gifts and graces to a world so desperate for that. So I think Vincent Ferrer focused on what his job was and left the troubles with the pontificate to the king of kings and the lord of lords, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, yes. Um, he did make a, a statement about who he thought the pope was, but he didn't, uh, he didn't beleaguer it, and I think that that's the right approach. Yeah, which I think is the answer for, for all of us. I was making the point earlier that we are living in a post-Christendom society, and, you know, Warren Carroll, who the founder of the college you went to, Christendom, He's my favorite mm-hmm. Catholic historian. I absolutely love his work. I love reading Warren Carroll's work. And I think it cannot be understated enough. We live in a post-Christendom society. And I interpret that to mean that the age of the Gentiles, the fullness of the Gentiles is coming to its, to its end. And the world is returning back to paganism. And what is ahead is going to be more difficult than what is behind. How would you interpret that? I think that it's something that we witness in every traditional Latin Mass, and people don't even see it. Uh, if you watch the way the altar servers move the, the lectionary on the altar, um, what happens is when, when the priest goes over and he reads the epistle, it's on the right side of the altar. And then the altar server goes up, he picks up the book, he takes it from the altar, then he goes to the other side, and he puts it uh, on the left-hand side, which is the side of the Gentiles. So what this represents is that how the Jews, whose right, the right side of the altar represents the Jews, 
the word was taken from them and given to the Gentiles. And then at the very end of Mass, what happens is they pick up the lectionary again, they move it off the altar, and they move it back to the right side, which is a signification of the great apostasy and the fact that the Jews will be brought into the fullness of the truth. So all of this is signified in traditional Latin Mass, and it's no longer there. And I think the reason is because the, uh, the, the devil and, and his wiles and trying to cause confusion doesn't want us to see what's right in front of us. Yeah, yeah. That's the beautiful part of the liturgy, isn't it? The, especially in the traditional form of the liturgy, it's easier to see those, uh, those connections. And it's so beautiful, which is part of the travesty of seeing it being under such great uh, attack these days. I, I was encountered, we have about a minute left with Michael Hitchborn. I encountered uh, a very progressive Catholic on, on Facebook last week who actually blamed all of the world's and church's troubles on traditional Catholics. I want you to think about that. This. <laughs> yeah, I've heard the same thing, but it's it, it's the the devil and and uh, the people who are duped by him will always hate the good, the true, and the beautiful, yeah. uh, because they don't understand it, and yeah. that's that's the sad truth. Yeah, um, but the, at the same time, as we go with our Lord to the coming chastisement, we should be negotiating with our Lord to save as many as we possibly can. Abraham is reminding us of this today. So we have an opportunity to pass, to fast, to pray, to do penance, to suffer, to beg for the conversion of so many souls in order to save as many as we possibly can. Michael Hitchborn, Lepanto Institute, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day and have a great week. God bless you all. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Check them out online at LepantoIN.org. God bless you guys. That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can, join us in the second hour. We're going to have a great second hour. We'd love to have you be a part of it. We have good news. Today is the only day this week we will, plus our game show. We're going to give out prizes today because uh, the rest of the week is share week at the Guadalupe Radio Network. We'll see you then. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. 
as leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us. Hi, I'm Jenny Granero from the St. Cecilia Catholic Community. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
Dang it. And I, I would have known that. I would have picked a puppy story. story. It's a puppy story, right? I picked a tearjerker story. I would have picked a dog story. That would have been great. Yeah. I love uh, dogs. Yeah. We're, no more. Good Dang news it. segment. It's, good news segment's going away. Speaking of puppies, I got Maria a puppy yesterday. We're in Bucky's, and she really? turns to the left. Okay. And, and then she, she turns to the right? <laughs> <laughs> no? I no. turn to the left as I look right. Uh, she turns and she's like... <laughs> and she sees a little beanie baby German shepherd dog. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, Does I guess I have to the, get it to her. Was it that dramatic? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. That's awesome. Speaking of uh, Bucky's groupies, Adrian Fonsick is here on Ones and Twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Do you remember the first Top Gun in 86? Yeah, it was a good time. Was I there. remember I went uh, to see it live uh, back at a, in uh, the theaters. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, about uh, t- 13 years before I was born. There, was it so, that long? Yeah. 13 you said 80, years. 80 when? That makes me about... You said 87? 86. Came 86? 86. I was born in 98, Dang. so 12 years before I was born. I was negative four years old. There you go. I'm but just old. My parents went to go see Top Gun 2 yeah. with uh, my brother and my sister. What did they say? And they liked it, okay. but uh, mm-hmm. I didn't get to go because I was busy at my friend's ordination, Father Luis Garcia, along with Father Christopher Meyer and Father yes. Jacob Ramirez, got ordained in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Be to God. And Mrs. Ramirez, uh, the mother of Father Jacob Ramirez, was there. He's a daily Catholic drive time listener, so praise be to God. Hey, all right. Yep. yep. Ha- praise be to God and congratulations. Amazing. Steve. And uh, my friend, Mr. Joseph Jensen's with the TFP. He's going off to Ireland, so maybe we can get him on the show to update us on what's oh, going on in Ireland in a, couple, yeah. in a couple months. Now, Mrs. Ramirez has two sons that are priests. And a brother who's a bishop in California. Man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really? That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's super so cool. Bishop. Bishop. Uh, yikes. You're putting me on the phone. Yikes. yikes. Is that uh, like Eastern? San Pablo, I think. I believe he's in Solemn, the Bishop of San Pablo. Got it. But, uh, yeah. So okay. I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden, but he was there uh, at the ordination. That family so. has vocations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Something's oh. in the water over Praise there. All God. right. We are going to jump into it, uh, but uh, starting on Monday. So the rest of this week, today's the only normal day. The rest of this week is super awesome days. It's the share across the Guadalupe Radio Network where you, my dear listener, uh, are given an opportunity to join us in the apostolate, the work of evangelizing our communities. And uh, we're going to appreciate your input. So our show will be pushed back. Sherathon will start, and our second hour will be pushed back to, I think, 9, 9 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. So join us for the rest of this week at 9 a.m. Central, but, and we'll be back to normal on Monday. But on Monday, the good news will be wrapped up into the regular news segment. So it's not as though there are going to be no good news. There's going to be good news. It's just going to be wrapped up into the f- normal inter- uh new segments in the first hour. So but the second hour will have a slightly uh, bit of a change where we will conversate with guests uh, in this first segment. So just so you know, that's what's coming. Let's pray. Let's begin. We have a lot to jump into, and it's going to be a great hour. Join us for all of it, if you can. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most sweet Jesus, that no one who has had recourse to thy sacred heart, implored its help, or sought its mercy, was ever abandoned. Encouraged with confidence, O tenderest of hearts, we present ourselves before thee, crushed beneath the weight of our sins. In our misery, O sacred heart of Jesus, despise not our simple prayers, but mercifully grant our requests. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Here's a story of a first dance 
to commemorate our last dance for this segment. The Epic Times reports newlyweds gave first dance to groom's grandparents, who never got one at their own wedding. Upon learning that the groom's grandparents had never had a first dance at their own wedding in 1957, an engaged couple from New York decided to surprise the beloved pair on their special day, 65 years later. They gave their first dance away. Bride Samantha Graff said that she and her husband Zachary Graff came up with the idea together. She says, quote, We found out shortly after we got engaged that Grammy and Grandpa hadn't got their first dance, and it broke our hearts. To us, it's such a huge part of your wedding day and something you will never forget, she said. When we found out, it wasn't a question of if we were going to give them a special first dance. It was a question about how we were going to pull it off perfectly. Samantha and Zachary kept their first dance plan a secret for three years in, ahead of their April 2, 2022 nuptials, hoping to capture their family's raw reactions. It worked when Morton and Elaine were called to the dance floor at Hanover Manor in East Hanover, New Jersey. They were shocked. They had no idea what was about to happen. There wasn't a dry eye in the whole place, said Samantha. The family caught the magical moment on camera from the newlyweds announcement to Zachary's grandparents' shock and their first tentative steps onto the dance floor in front of their loved ones to the Andy Williams classic love song, Love is a Many Splendored Thing. Haven't heard that one. From the day she met her husband's family, Samantha knew how close-knit they were, especially with Zachary's grandparents. She says, quote, Grammy and Grandpa are role models to Zach in both a professional and per personal sense, she praised, adding, they are truly role models to both of us in every aspect of life. And that's good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Norbert, you know, one of the, the founder of the Norbertines and allegedly the uh, community that Saint Dominic was a part of. He was born in 1080. Norbert of Xanten, also known as Norbert of Gnep, was a bishop of the Catholic Church, founder of the pre-monastracians order of canons regular, or the Norbertines. He adopted such strict discipline that it killed his first three disciples. This may be why he failed to reform the canons at Xanten, who denounced him as an innovator at the Council of Frislar in 1118. He then resigned his benefits, sold all his property, gave the proceeds to the poor, he visited Pope Galatius II, who gave him permission to become an itinerant preacher, and he preached throughout the lands in now western Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, and northern France, being credited with a number of miracles. In settlement after settlement, he encountered a demoralized clergy, lonely, often practicing concubinage, and feeling that the official church cared little about them. Legend has it that the porter refused to let Norbert into his new residence, assuming he was a beggar. And when the crowd pointed out to the flustered porter that he was in fact the new bishop, Norbert told the porter, you were right the first time. Norbert carried the love of reform that he had found in his own life to his new diocese. As usual, this made him many enemies and he was almost assassinated. Disgusted with the citizens' desire to keep to their old ways, he left the city but was soon called back, not by the citizens, but by the emperor and the pope who pressured him. In Paris, he would have witnessed the canons of St. Victor who had adopted the ascetic ideals of William of Champagne. At Clairvaux and Chateau, he, may, he would have seen the Cistercians reform among the, the monks. He also became acquainted with the Cistercians' administrative system that created an international federation of monasteries with fair amount of centralized power. 
Though local houses had a certain amount of independence, these reforms written up in their Charter of Charity would affect him significantly in his own future work. He died June 6, 1134. St. Norbert, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now great multitudes accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, What king? going to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and take counsel whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an embassy and asks terms of peace. So therefore, whoever of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, discerning God's holy will for your life, for your vocation. That is a, one of the main themes in this particular passage today. Take an account, and when you have come to this realization to become a disciple of Christ, you know what the stakes are. Stop making excuses, right? Here's what, real quick what Ambrose says, quote, for if for thy sake the Lord renounces his own mother, saying, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? Why dost thou deserve to be preferred to thy Lord? But the Lord will have us neither be ignorant of nature, nor be his slaves, but so to submit to nature that we reverence the author of nature and depart not from God out of love to our parents. Close quote. St. Ambrose, pray for us. Adrian, what do you got? Yes, a number of things from Cornelius Salopide, but the thing that I want to focus on the most is here, he says, Christ puts forth two parables to teach the rulers of the church, that they must be skilled both in action and in contemplation, both and. The one about building a tower, which is a symbol of contemplative life, for a tower commands an extensive prospect. The other about engaging in war against a hostile king, which is significant, a significative of the active life. This is very interesting. He goes on to say, By the tower, therefore, we may understand the religious state, which is coupled with the contemplative life. Because as a tower overtops all other buildings, so does a life of religion excel all other vocations and callings. As a tower gives grace to a city, so is the religious life an ornament to the church. As a tower is a lookout to discover the movements of the enemy, so is the contemplative life we look forth on the wiles of our adv adversary and on the good and evil laid up in futurity. As a tower is a protection to them that dwell therein, so is a life of religion, a defense against the world, the flesh, and the devil. He goes on to talk about this further, but the thing I want to leave you with is this idea of, do you desire what's best for your children? Do you desire what's best for your family? And what I mean by that is, do you pray that your children have a calling to religious life? 
because religious life is the greatest life for them. It is living heaven now. So many parents, so many people I know do not desire that their kids become a religious or become a priest or become a nun because they want them to have worldly success. Let's pray today that our families have great vocations to the religious life because it is the life closest to Christ. All right, praise be to God. We're going to play our game Fear and Trembling. It's the only time this whole week we're going to play the game. So if you would like to win, being on the phone, almost, I mean, it's going to guarantee you that you're probably going to get a prize today. Praise be to God. So what you need to do is call 877-757-9424. Pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be the contestant, and you're almost guaranteed to win. 877-757-9424. Call right now. We'll be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you, and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas. But, uh, you know, here's the deal. You can't tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. You got to keep the secret. Stop it. Don't. I know what you're doing. You're trying to already get, uh, you know, what's his name over there at Veritas all lined. No, don't. Don't what's do it. His name? Don't do it. Okay. Just keep it between us. But number one, we like to teach the faith. 
So we have teachable moments in the questions, and you're going to learn something. Praise be to God. That's always a good thing. Number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And our callers are, in fact, certifi certifiably amazing, and we love it. And then, of course, number three, we give out prizes. And today, because it's share week here at the Guadalupe Radio Network, today is the only day we're going to play the game, and we are going to give out prizes today. So it's going to be fun. Rudy, what can they win? All right. So because you only have one chance to win, and that winner is going to get it today, we're going to give away another replica of... Ooh. You guessed it. Ooh. If you're not watching right now, yes. if you're listening on the radio, mm -hmm. I am holding the one and only coffee cup of divine providence. Oh. It's emanating. Yeah. Yes. If you put your ear to it, you can kind of, you know, you can put a, a shell up to your yeah. ear, you hear uh -huh. the ocean. Yeah. Well, if you do that with yeah. the coffee cup of divine providence, you hear what angelic really? singing. <gasps> yes. Like I was going to say angelic screeching, but no, <laughs> that, not, not those angels. The other ones. The other ones. Okay. Well, we're going to give away a coffee cup of divine providence. Not the real one, just a replica. <laughs> wow. So you can't have the actual one. No. That has to reside not. here in order to discern God's intention and will for those whom he wants to lavish gifts upon. But let me sweeten the pot a little bit. Okay. okay. We're yeah. going to throw in some other stuff. Really? All right. We're going to do that. Yeah. Including one of the really awesome crucifix bracelets that Joe what? wears. Yes. And we're going to autograph the cup for you. And we, let's put, wait, there's but more. Wait. Oh, yes. For only there's three more. payments. That's of right. $24.99. You get the coffee cup, you get the bracelet, you get prayer cards, and you get the DVD pr uh, Pray by Father Patrick Payton. And a DVD player. Just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to include Do the they player. still make DVD players? I and hope so. And a toaster. <laughs> what are we talking and, about? Uh, set it and forget it. we gotta do. We got to do an info commercial <laughs> hour on the show. All right. Okay, enough shenanigans. Praise be to God. We're going to send out a prize pack courtesy of yours truly, Catholic Drive Time. And uh, we're very excited about that. Let's jump on to the phones to see who's this week's winner. I mean, contestant. Fernando, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Fernando. Where are you calling from? San Antonio. Now, you know, San Antonio is not just great because I went to school there. Despite the fact. In spite of it all, it has other reasons for being great. Right, Fernando? That's right. It sure does. <laughs> Best place in Texas to live. Praise be to God. Where do you go to church, Fernando? The Church of the Blessed Sacrament. The Church of the Blessed Sacrament. I've been Aren't there. all the churches it's Church been of the Blessed Sacrament? a while since I've been there. Now, Fernando, how old are you? Roughly. Uh, you don't have to be precise. Old. Too old. Do you rem were, you, were you alive in 86 when Top Gun came out the first time? Yeah, I was in high school. I was a senior in high school in 86. And was it big for you? It was big, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was in the... I'm a Central Catholic boy, so I was so in the sorry. ROTC and flying, so... <laughs> I was in Air Force ROTC at Johnson High School, so I can appreciate uh, what you're saying there. It was huge. We all pretended to be Maverick. I don't, I don't get it. I watched it, and it looked uh Do you have a cool, uh, cool like, leather jacket? A lot of volleyball. I couldn't afford the cool leather jacket. <laughs> Playing volleyball okay. with no shirts on. Pretty <laughs> weird. All right. Fernando, we got to get serious here. Do you know how this game is played, sir? I sure do. All right. Let's do this. We will start with Rudy, as is our custom our patrimony, our church-approved tradition. Rudy Carlos, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Jim. We're rocking the salmon shirt today. Salmon. Salmon. Mm -hmm. uh, or the trout shirt. Trout shirt. I love trout. It's very tasty. Especially I've never caught one before. I wouldn't smoked. know. Trout is oof, so good. Um, are you ready, sir? 
Yes, I am. Yes, sir. All right, let's do this. Rudy, can you tell me who is the patron saint of athletes? The patron saint of Rudy, not me, the character in the movie, yeah. Rudy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is Saint Sebastian. Saint Sebastian. 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 Okay, I guess it like that. Like Sean, like Sean Connery would. Sean Connery. Yeah. Sebastian. All right, uh, Adrian. You, me? sir, are an athlete, so you ought to know this. I am. Who is the patron saint of athletes? Ah, yes. The patron saint of athletes. That would be St. Paul, because, you know, he talked about shadow boxing. He did. And running the race. He did. Is this true? And, a, and, a, and like a crown, grass crown of uh, winning. victory. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a tricky question, then. Well, Fernando in uh, San Antonio, unfortunately, did not graduate from Jesuit High School, but hey. <laughs> don't don't give up on life yet, Fernando. But who is the patron saint of athletes? Is it as Adrian says, Saint Paul, or is it as Rudy says, Saint Sebastian? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Fernando, what say you? Well, you know, I grew up at in Saint Paul's church, so I'm gonna go with Saint Paul. No, no, go to the door. Go to the door. Ah! Well, the good so, thing so, is you have over. latitude so, there, Fernando. It's over. It's, it's a tricky over. question. You're still going to win. It, it is. No. Unless <laughs> you get them all wrong. In no fact, St. Sebastian is the patron saint of athletes because he was a Roman guard of the emperor. He tried yes, to convert him sense. to Christianity, was shot with a bunch of arrows, left for dead. Therefore, athletes. He miraculously came back to, to life, went back and preached to the emperor yet again. Trajan, I think it was. And was then, and then put he to the killed sword. him with a shot put. <laughs> then, he, <laughs> then he was put to the sword, and now and he's that's the why athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as an archer, it is awkward to embrace that idea. But there okay. you go, folks. He was athletic, but yeah, you, you think it might have been Saint Paul, but no, in fact, it would it make Saint more Sebastian. sense. Sebastian has okay. nothing to do with athletes. <laughs> okay, but you don't fret, Fernando. You're gonna win no matter how this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Second question. Back to Adrian. Adrian. Oh, that's dangerous. What does incense symbolize? Yes, incense symbolizes. See, we have like. A stench. We smell really bad. <laughs> Why are you as, looking at me? Uh, Don't be looking at me. I'm not say that. You said it, not me, man. Look at Adrian. Uh, Look at Rudy. You, the in, the we smell really bad, right? And so the incense uh, yeah. symbolizes a covering over of oh, our sins. Hey, oh, yeah, God, the stench of our sins is covered God, by the incense. That's like wow. Okay, Luther. That smelly I, smell. I think Luther said something like that. Okay, <laughs> uh, Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me <laughs> what does incense symbolize? Well, it uh, symbolizes a stench, all right, but a really nice one. It's the <laughs> zeal of the Christian, the odor of Christian virtue, and the rising of prayer like smoke to heaven. Okay. All right. Well, we got choices here. Fernando, is it the zeal of virtue, the Christian zeal for, for God and our prayers ascending to heaven, or is it the zeal of our sweat and odor as... Adrian seems to think it indicates our sin. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Fernando, what say you? It is Rudy. You're learning. I, I like this. A man that who learns. Smell. Yeah. Right. Praise be to God. In fact, you are right, sir. It is the zeal of the Christian, the odor of Christian virtue, and the rising of prayers to God, which we see in the book of Revelation, by the way, the apocalypse. All right, you're in. You're going to win. But let's see if we can't just have fun with this last question. We're going to go back to Rudy, uh, who has uh, not let you down so far today. Just want to put that out there. Mm. So far, not let you down. Maybe he has something to do with Or did he let you down? No, he didn't let you down. 
It was. Okay, he let him anyway. down. He let him. <laughs> okay. It was all his fault. Rudy. Joe. What? You're a Latinist. <laughs> a Latinx? You're no Latinist. <laughs> not a Latinx. I'm Latinx. No, you're not. You're a Latinist. I'm a bipod. Uh, what is the Latin? <laughs> Stop it. What is the Latin name of the canticle or hymn of the Blessed Virgin Mary? On the occasion of her visitation to her cousin Elizabeth. One of the great anthems, as they say, yes. of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Magnificat. Magnificat. Is that how they say it? My by soul the way? magnifies it. Do they say it that way? Magnificat? Magnificat. <laughs> what was that? All right, let's go, to, <laughs> let's go to Adrian before we get in more trouble. Adrian, can you tell me? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. What is the Latin name of the canticle or hymn of the BVM? The BVM. On the occasion of her visitation to her cousin Elizabeth. The BVM, the Blessed Virgin Mary. You got it. Yep. It sounds like a be, UFO. Yeah, no, no. That would be the Memorare. The, the one that, that Joe pray, prays most mornings. You Are know? you sure? Memorare. I, that's that's how I sound. No, that's wow. how that's how it's, it's sung. That's how it's sung. Because that's not how it sounds in my head when I'm saying it. It's not how we hear it. Okay. Okay. All right, Fernando. Uh, the what is the Latin name of the canticle or hymn of the Blessed Virgin Mary when she visits her cousin? Is it the Memorare, as Adrian says, or is it the Magnificat, as Rudy says? Fifteen seconds, Fernando. What say you? Well, while the memory is one of my favorite prayers, the, the prayer for the dissipation is the Magnificat. Mmm. Congratulations. Good man. Good job, Maverick. I should call Fernando Maverick from now on. <laughs> there you go. Good job, Mav. I feel the need for speed, brother. And you're going to get a CDT prize pack. Thank you for playing our game and having a laugh with us today. Have a great day. God bless. We're going to put you on hold. And if you want to conversate about Top Gun Maverick, join us in the after show. I'll tell you all about how I feel about it. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Mary, the memorial of Mary, Mother of the Church. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation, by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, 
and for her life he died. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with Our brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, Father of mercies, whose only begotten Son, as he hung upon the cross, chose the blessed Virgin Mary, his mother, to be our mother also. Grant, we pray, that with her loving help, your church may be more fruitful day by day, and exulting in the holiness of her children, may draw to her embrace all the families of the peoples. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. After Adam had eaten of the tree, the Lord God called to him and asked him, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? You have eaten then from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat. The man replied, The woman whom you put here with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and so I ate it. The Lord God then asked the woman, Why did you do such a thing? The woman answered, The serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you shall be banned from all the animals and from all the wild creatures. On your belly shall you crawl, and dirt shall you eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. The man called his wife Eve, because she became the mother of all the living. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glorious things are told of you, O city of God. Glorious things are told of you, O city of God. His foundation upon the holy mountains, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than any dwelling of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, O city of God. Glorious things are said of you, O city of God, and of Zion they shall say, 
one and all were born in, in her, and he who has established her as the Most High Lord. Glorious things are said of you, O city of God. They shall note when the peoples are unrolled, this man was born there, and all shall sing in their festive dance, My home is within you. Glorious things are said of you, O city of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. O happy virgin, you gave birth to the Lord. O blessed Mother of the Church, you warm our hearts with the Spirit of your Son, Jesus Christ. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to, the, to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine, so they put a sponge soaked in wine on a spring of hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the spirit. Now since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other one, who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pope Francis in 2018 gave us this beautiful memorial the day after Pentecost to Our Lady as the Mother of the Church. And we need her. We need her in the Church. After celebrating the great birth of the Church and the Feast of Pentecost, we return back to the foot of the cross where there is Mary with Jesus. And Jesus gives us this gift. Not only does he give us the Spirit when he parts from this world, but he gives us a great gift which is his Mother. Um, when we think about the consecration to Jesus through Mary, we sometimes think of it as we need to go through Mary to get to Jesus. That The primary thing that Mary does is bring us to Jesus, which is true. But we forget sometimes that it is Jesus who wants to give us the greatest of his gifts. And he wants to give us everything. When he pours out his spirit, he gives us everything. The communion between the Father and the Son, the love between the Son and the Father. But then he also he shares with us everything that is his and his most, one of those most important gifts that he gives us is his mother. And as I said, we need her in order to really grow in holiness. 
Because we know that in our life, we have the spirit within us, the spirit that cries out, cries out within us, Abba Father. We have the gifts of the spirit that touch every aspect of our being, and yet we recognize sometimes how unfruitful we are, how much more we need to grow in holiness. Uh, areas of our life where we still see so much weakness and powerlessness that we need the power of the Spirit, and yet we find ourselves sort of tripping on our, tripping over ourselves over and over and over again. And this is where Mary becomes such an integral part of our journey. I think I've shared this before, but as uh, as I, I work with as the novice master in Our Lady Society. And there's often times where I, of course, notice different things and perfections or things that need to be corrected as these young men journey uh, toward in, to become members in our community and then also to continue on uh, towards the priesthood or the permanent brotherhood. But the first thing I try to remember to do is to give those things to Mary, to hand them over to Mary. Because I've noticed that 70% of the time, 75% of the time, she takes care of it within a few months. And she does such a great job at it, so much better, because she has this gentle, very feminine touch, and she can touch the heart. If I do it, so the other 20% of the time, I think she says to me, okay, you need to do your job, which is then I have to correct or, or to point out things. Uh, and then when I do it, there's always sort of a, there's kind of a roughness to it, you know, where they think, well, maybe this is just your opinion, or this is just your thing. You don't see the whole picture, which is probably true. So that's why I hand it over to our mother, that she can take care of it. And she usually does. I think the same thing with our own weaknesses and difficulties is we need to hand them over to Mary so that she can intercede for us. She's praying for us, journeying with us. And then she will bring us at the foot of the cross to her son, where he pours out his, the water, the blood, and the spirit upon us. Those three who give testimony, the spirit, the water, and the blood and then purifies us, sets us free, and uh, sanctifies us so that we can continue to grow in holiness. Mary is the mother of the church. She is the perfect disciple. And we need her, as we need the spirit who forms Jesus in us, we need her to kind of chip away at some of those rough spots that we have, the roughness. And she does this, as I mentioned, so perfectly. So may our mother, Mary, mother of the church, intercede for us, protect us, guide us, and make us holy. Amen. We are all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mystery of our mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. Let us pray for all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve. We pray to the Lord. Lord for peace among nations that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters. We pray to the Lord. Lord we pray for ourselves gathered here, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our and on this memorial of our, of our Lady, Mother of the Church, 
We entrust all the needs of the church to our Blessed Mother's hands, to her care. We entrust all of our own personal needs and those who have asked us to pray for them into her maternal care. And may she help us and mold us, mold Jesus within us and make us holy. We pray to the Lord. Lord, May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, who will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, who will become our spiritual drink. Pray to the beloved that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Receive our offerings, O Lord, and transform them into the mystery of our salvation, so that by its power we may be set aflame with the charity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Church, and with her may be united more closely to the work of redemption through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, and to proclaim your greatness with due praise as we honor the Blessed Virgin Mary, receiving your word in her immaculate heart. She was found worthy to conceive him in her virgin's womb, and giving birth to the Creator, she nurtured the beginnings of the Church. Standing beside the cross, she received the testament of divine love, and took to herself as sons and daughters all those who by the death of Christ are born to heavenly life. As the apostles awaited the spirit you had promised, she joined her supplication to the prayers of the disciples, and so became the pattern of the church at prayer. Raised to the glory of heaven, she accompanies your pilgrim church with a mother's love, and watches in kindness over the church's homeward steps, until the Lord's day shall come in glorious splendor. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, 
Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your home. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you, in your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good.
through him and with him and in him. O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Sanctifice tu nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum cotidianum, da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, Sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas sententationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let's offer to the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. As he hung upon the cross, Jesus said to the disciple whom he loved, Behold your mother. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, 
come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Ever permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. Having received the pledge of redemption and of life, we humbly pray, O Lord, that with the Blessed Virgin Mother, Virgin's motherly help, your church may teach all nations by proclaiming the gospel and through the grace of the outpouring of the Spirit, fill the whole earth through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with Bow down for the blessing. May God, who through the childbearing of the Blessed Virgin Mary, willed in his great kindness to redeem the human race, be pleased to enrich you with his blessing. Amen. May you know and always everywhere and, and everywhere the protection of her through whom you have been found worthy to receive the author of life. Amen. May you, who have devoutly gathered on this day, carry away with you the gifts of spiritual joys and heavenly rewards. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Hail Mary. The Prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hey there, if you're not a Catholic, thank you so much for listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. I'm station manager Tim Mott, and it really means a lot to me that you chose to spend this time with the Guadalupe Radio Network.